Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, everyone, and welcome to DevRaga Personal Finance, episode 44. In this episode... I just want to discuss some of the new things that are going to be happening from July the 1st, 2019. And by the way, happy new financial year. Now, it's been a bit of a rush today. I've been interstate um, attending a clinical conference um, and upskilling course and then had to rush back um, because, you know, I got a bit of a sick little ones at home and the wife as well. So kids are in bed, everyone's asleep. So I thought I might squeeze this quick podcast out in preparation for the new financial year. So I find it amazing that we actually don't celebrate the new financial year as we would the January the 1st of every year, even though it has more of an impact on us than the date January the 1st. I hope you have a fantastic new financial year and certainly with more episodes planned, I'm excited about what's to come in the 2020 financial year. In this episode, I'm just going to summarize some of the things which are earmarked for July the 1st, 2019. Now, if you're new to this podcast channel, basically the motto is the pay yourself first concept. I recommend that you pay yourself first, aim to save at least 20% of your after-tax income, invest that money, put it away for the long term, 20, 30, 40 years of compounding up your sleeve, and always reinvest the dividends. Automate this process and repeat the steps and do it forever. This is likely to result in more wealth than you'll ever need. And this means you can enjoy the wealth more and more importantly, can help others in the process. Now, it's okay if you can't save 20% initially. Remember, we're talking about after-tax money. In my episodes, I only ever talk about after-tax money because talking about gross money is a bit unrealistic because you need to pay taxes on those and you don't know what your deductions are going to be. So if you can't save 20% initially, try low, try just 5%, then slowly increment it up to 20%. But I think 20% is the benchmark. Now, a few questions that have come my way over the past few weeks is, what if you have consumer debts? Do you still save that 20%? Do you still invest it? Do you still reinvest the dividends? Look, I think if you have consumer debts, it's a bit silly investing money and saving for the future. Here's why. Because you need to have a minimum of emergency funds of, say, at least $1,000 and also have at least three to six months saved up. But before you do the three to six months saved up and before you start investing and saving money, you need to make sure you plow as much money into any consumer debts you may have. Don't invest money when you have consumer debts. It's madness. The consumer debts like credit cards, car loans, personal loans have high interest rates, which are eating up your biggest wealth creation tool. You know what that is, and that's your income. So don't waste your income and paying monthly repayments to consumer debts. Consumer debts, in my view, and a very humble view, are never a good idea. I repeat, consumer debts are never a good idea. As a general rule, debt is bad, but I can understand if you have a mortgage for a home, it's usually an appreciating asset. But if you have a debt for a car, that's madness. Try to buy a car outright with cash. Listen to my episode on how to buy cars. I've done it in the past. 
try to pay for things with cash or credit card and instantly pay it off if you're into points, etc., etc. Now, just remember, if you have consumer debts and the interest rate on that debt is about 10 or 12 or 15% and you're putting away 20% of your after-tax income and earning a meager 5 to 9% in the share market, you're actually losing money. So it doesn't make sense to invest when you have high interest consumer debts. So back to the main topic, what are some of the tax and financial uh, uh, changes that are going to come in the new financial year? Let's go step by step. First of all, let's talk a little bit about super. Now, the first point is that default life cover in super will be switched off if your super account has been inactive for 16 months or more. This includes maternity and paternity leave clients. This affects Australians of multiple super accounts. Now, just a bit of summary for this overseas listeners. In Australia, we have superannuation, which is similar to the American 401k or Roth IRA structures. It's a retirement account. It's there to help you in your retirement years. The main difference in Australia being in America, employers need not guarantee a 401k contribution. In Australia, employers must guarantee a minimum of 9.5% of the employee's gross wage into superannuation up to a maximum of 25,000 per year in pre-tax contributions. This is called concessional contributions. If you have multiple super accounts because you've never bothered to consolidate them, now is the time to do it. Or actually, it's not now is the time to do it because the new financial year is coming very soon. Or at least keep the other accounts active by contributing to them. The main reason why this rule came about was because fees were being charged in all of the inactive super accounts despite new contributions, and sometimes the fees eat into the retirement account savings unnecessarily. Some people also simply kept open multiple accounts to access multiple life insurance policies. What I do, I always consolidate my super and only use one account. I stick with my industry super account. I make it specifically select my super account for all the contributions from my employer and my own contributions for every job that I've ever done. The only problem I have with this rule, though, is that many Australians most, in fact, don't have life insurance outside of the default insurance provided by the super accounts. So it potentially underinsures hundreds of thousands of young workers in this country, and this can be a major problem for those people. You think about young tradies who are new to this or graduates who have been in the job for less than five years may have multiple accounts unbeknownst to them. Nonetheless, rules are rules, and it's going to happen very, very soon. Point two about super. Low balanced accounts less than $6,000 will have fees capped at 3%. Look, if you have fees at 3% at your super, my recommendation is change it. That's a huge number. Make sure you check the fees being charged by your super. Fees are retirement wealth killers. I've talked about this extensively in episode six, one of my earlier episodes, Go back and listen to it if you haven't already. Essentially, fees compound too and eat up your returns over 30 to 40 years. Remember, we're talking long term. Point number three about super, super exit fees will be banned forever. I think this is excellent. I think people shouldn't be penalized for exiting super for a better deal. This is a good consumer-friendly policy. And point number four, if you're 65 to 74 years of age, don't work and don't meet the work test requirements, you can still contribute if you have a low balance of less than $300,000 in your super. Again, I think this is a consumer-friendly policy. So good move. Now, the other changes which are going to happen pertain to wages. The first best thing about wages is there's some great news for minimum wage earners. 
the wage will rise to $740.80 per week, which is a 3% increase. That's the minimum full-time wage. The hourly rate is around $19.49 starting July the 1st. This is good news for low-wage earners. Compare this to America, where some states the minimum wage is 15 bucks an hour after significant protests recently, but other states are a measly $7.50 per hour. That is just crazy low. We are very lucky in this country. Workers tend to have more rights here than any other country in the world. Now, this goes both ways, as business owners probably think workers have too much rights down under. A right balance has to be struck, and generally speaking, I think workers should have basic rights, which is good for businesses and workers. It's got to be fair. Remember, if workers get paid a fair share of their wage, that means they've got more disposable income, they're going to be contributing to the economy by participating in the economy, and as a result, the economy and everyone grows wealthier. Now, the next one is a bit of a doozy, the luxury car tax. This is a bit disappointing. Essentially, if you're in the market for a luxury car costing $150,000, yes, it's a lot of money, duty charges will be $14 per $200 value of the car. That's up to $10,500 extra per car if the car is at 150K in value. If you want a car that's greater than 150K, it'll be about 18 bucks per $200 value. So if your car is $200,000, that's an additional 18K extra in duty fees. Now, I know what you're thinking, Crimea River, right? Yes, I understand for the average Australian, this doesn't matter. And who cares? Because most people who buy such cars can afford them. But cars in Australia are already one of the most expensive in the world. We pay two to three times as much as the US and Canadian counterparts for the same car. I just think it's a bit crazy given we don't have much locally built options. In fact, we actually don't have any locally built options. Not sure why all the hate against luxury cars. Now, I might have some self-interest here. Anyway, that's my rant on the luxury car tax. Let's move on. Childcare subsidy rates. Now, it might affect some of you that are listening out there. There's been a threshold change to the th childcare subsidy rates. So the more you earn, the less percentage subsidy you will get but you need to earn an excess of $352,453 per annum to be completely free of childcare subsidies. Now for the overseas listeners, I just repeat, in Australia, you need to earn more than $352,453 per annum to be completely free of childcare subsidies. In other words, if you earned $352,452, you can get up to 20% childcare subsidy. Not bad and very generous in my opinion. A lot of you who don't have kids in childcare are probably turning off the podcast right now and screaming at hearing that. Anyway, hang in there. There's more benefits to come. Family tax benefit A. Now, this is something I'm not very familiar with. It's not something that I've qualified ever since I've become a, a clinician. Basically, the threshold is rising from $94,314 to $98,988 from July the 1st. I'm not sure why they just didn't, didn't do it to 99000 Anyway, um, that bogs my mind. But this is the higher income free area for the family tax benefit A. If you earn more than $98,988, your benefit will reduce by 30 cents for every dollar earned above. This is the total family income and not just individuals. Now, for overseas listeners, the Family Tax Benefit A helps with the cost of raising children in Australia. Again, we're very lucky to have this. I know most countries around the world don't have this scheme or anything similar or benefits anything similar. 
the help debt changes. This used to be called the hex debt in Australia in the 90s. Now, if you have a help debt, previously called the hex debt, this is Australia's version of student loans, then the threshold to commence repayments will reduce from $51,957 to $45,881. Now, I think this is actually a bit unfair. Young people in Australia are already struggling with bills and trying to make ends meet. Call me soft, but I just think penalizing young people like this is a bit cruel. Don't get me wrong, I'm a millennial, I'm relatively young, but many nurses, accountants, lawyers, engineers, and very young doctors probably earn this much as graduates. I think it's better to give them a bit of a break initially before recommencing payments. Don't get me wrong, I think the health debt is a gift from the Australian taxpayer to every university student in Australia, and it's a great system. That's what got me through medical school. Let's think about it. It's what got me through medical school. If I had to pay $30,000 for medical school, there is no hope in hell I would have ever been able to afford it, nor my family, as we weren't very wealthy. Many Australians won't be able to afford it. We have a fantastic and fair system for Aussies who want to go to uni, and it's just a tragedy they're being asked to repay at much lower levels of income. Now, before you start criticizing this, try living on a wage of $50,000 in Melbourne. It's not easy. That's about it. Those are the major financial changes coming your way from July the 1st, 2019. Before I finish up, it's worth talking about ATO's targets for the 2019 tax return. It's something that I've read recently in the newspaper, so it's probably worthwhile talking about it. It's actually quite good that the ATO is warning people about this, so they seem pretty genuine. As you know, the ATO collects data on 700 million transactions automatically, so there's no way you're getting away with dodgy returns. Just don't even try it. Don't do it. It's illegal. Don't worth the risk. And can have severe penalties, including criminal charges. Here are some of the warnings. Deductions, number one, for laundry and dry cleaning for work-related clothing expenses. It seems many people are randomly claiming this. Now, be careful. It's designed for those needing to wear uniforms to work. I actually didn't know that you can actually deduct for laundry and dry cleaning for uniforms that you use to go to work. So there you go. That affects a lot of people in the health industry. Point number two, deductions for home use, including rent, mortgage interest, for so-called home office expenses, be very, very careful. Point number three, holiday rentals. Can only claim expenses for the period of rentals and not for the entire time. Some people claim it's rented out all the time, but actually it's being rented by themselves, friends or extended family at no cost. That's very, very dodgy. Point number four, you can claim up to 5,000 kilometers at 68 cents per kilometer for motor vehicle expenses related to your work. It seems many people actually blindly claim this as a default, despite not using their cars for work purposes. It's designed for work and work travel, and traveling to places about work. It's not designed to home to work travel, and it's certainly not designed for you to rot the system. Just don't do it. Point number five, mobile phones, internet for work use. Now, if you have a work phone and still claim a personal mobile phone usage and bills as related to work, this is clearly defrauding the system. Be careful. Having said that, many employers don't give work mobiles and expect employees to use their personal mobile and personal home internet to do work activities. This is completely legit if you claim a portion of your personal mobile bill for the work purposes, but you need to keep records or proof of the work-related use. Whatever you do with tax stuff, keep receipts, keep the bills, keep the evidence, and document it. That's about it for this episode. Once again, happy new financial year, everyone, and I hope it brings you great success, great wealth, great savings, and less debt and investing success for you in the future, particularly in the 2020 financial year. 
Just remember, I'm not a financial advisor nor a tax accountant, so be sure you check with your professionals before making any financial decision. I don't know your personal financial circumstance, so I can't comment on them. This podcast channel and this podcast episode is only for entertainment purposes. The aim is to learn financial concepts. Don't forget the motto, pay yourself first, save 20% of after-tax income, invest it, reinvest dividends, and automate the process. Till next time, happy new financial year and stay safe. This is Dev Raga, Personal Finance, episode number 44. Until next time, stay safe. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.